a virtual private network vulnerability that has been known since December. Stolen credentials of a power user, a poorly configured firewall. It didn't take long for the hacker to own this unnamed federal agency. The Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency explains in the sort of depth rarely seen in public how this agency suffered a cyber attack. In his weekly feature, The Reporter's Notebook, executive editor Jason Miller writes about this case study and why it's a warning to public and private sector companies. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jared. So for fairly understandable reasons, CISA is not naming which agency this is, but they got into some pretty serious trouble. Um, how, how did this happen? They absolutely got into some serious trouble, and it's impressive the depth by which CISA really described what happened. And we have that link on federalnewsnetwork.com to, to read the entire case study. But basically what happened was twofold. Number one, the hacker, and, and I've been told from sources that this potentially is a nation state attack, so think Russia or China, based on the complexity of this attack. But also they, so, so they attacked with complexity and then they also use vulnerabilities that we've known about they, they use a the, the the pulse secure vulnerability in your vpn something we've known about since 2019 that the agency should have really patched they got some credentials stolen so they didn't weren't using something as simple as two-factor authentication for a privileged user so this is a power user someone who has the keys to the kingdom in many regards uh so so there was a lot of mistakes that were made that you would think oh well that's basic cyber hygiene that's something that you know every agency should be doing but what happened was once the hacker got inside they even went deeper and then started island hopping or jumping from network to network so they were owning this agency and then looking for ways to get to other agency networks on top of that this is is a again fascinating case study but but it also shows the disconcerting nature of agency cybersecurity and again we don't know who this is big small medium does it's it's hard to say but but they did not do a good job is what we've seen and i know you've been talking to some outside experts um, about this attack and what we know about it what have some of their observations been well they were surprised as i think most people are to read this and, and one they congratulated cisa on the details that they provided and two they really said this is a warning this is a to other agencies don't let this happen to you for instance, John Pescatori is the director of emerging security trends at the Sands Institute. He told me this has all the characteristics of something called a living off the land attack. And uh, let me describe to you this concept. This is the idea where the attackers take advantage of native tools and services and then target a system. It's been very popular the last several years. CrowdStrike, one of the cybersecurity firms, said living off the land attacks uh, generally don't involve malware. And the people who do cyber espionage 40% of all global attacks in 2018 really were this type of living off the land, not a malware type of attack like we've seen through, for instance, phishing attacks or when you try to get on a network and deposit the malware. They're using something that already exists against you. And then that's why it becomes even more difficult for detection tools, software security detection tools to know the difference between an attack in this sense or normal actions by a systems administrator. I also spoke with Tom Kellerman, who's over at Carbon Black VMware, and he was the one who really pointed out that this was a very sophisticated attack, that they, were, they set up two different types of command and control points of contact. So one got compromised, they had another one. And the only reason why the, the agency realized that bad things were happening is because they started to lose data and they saw data come out of the ports. And that was another thing they mentioned. What was the deal with opening all these ports? Why weren't they closing off ports to, that allowed the data to flow more, more easily. 
finally, the, the other thing that, that came up from, from the, the experts I've talked to is with all that's happening around telework and remote work and what's been happening during the pandemic and how uh, adversaries have really been trying to look for holes in VPNs, I think this is why they, they believe this is why CISA put out this case study because this is the type of attack that is, they're seeing too much success on when agencies rely on VPNs and aren't patching these holes. So if this is a cautionary tale, what, what are the you know biggest lesson or lessons to take away from it? Well, the, the biggest one is cyber hygiene, Jared. I mean, right? I mean, we talked about this all the time for the last 20 years. Just do the simple stuff. Patch the VPN, patch the stuff, patch your software that you need patched. The other thing that CISA came out and said was, ensure you have your two-factor authentication turned on, least privileged access. Not everyone needs the keys to the kingdom. You know, limit how many people can have keys to the kingdom and then force those people to have two-factor authentication. Another thing that came up that CISA said was, deploy an enterprise firewall. And if you can't do that for some reason, you should then really limit the number of ports that are open and then, of course, limit who has access to which ports. So there's a lot of simple things that I think came up. <clears throat> um, Tom Kellerman, again, from Carbon Black VMware says, the other thing is stop relying on VM, uh, stop relying on VPN. He said that this is just an example that you can't trust traffic through these trusted tunnels because the adversaries are really encrypting or taking over those encrypted tunnels and therefore you have no clue that they are now inside your network so he he was saying you know you need to kind of come up with a different way to secure remote users for them a lot of times that is all about zero trust encrypting the data side not the technology not not the not the tunnel side so i think there's a lot of really good lessons here and again we have a link on federalnewsnetwork.com where cisa does lay out all their uh, recommendations. All right, and Jason, in our last minute, minute and a half or so, let's stick with federal IT but change topics here. You're getting some news about a possible new federal CIO and CISO. What are you hearing? Multiple sources are confirming that Basil Parker, who is now the chief of staff at the Office of Personnel Management, and Camilo Sandoval, who's a former uh, acting VA chief information officer, are in line to be tapped to be the new federal chief information officer and federal chief information security officer. Now, now both are, would, would be in place potentially only for a short amount of time. All depends what happens on election day, of course. But uh, it's very interesting that both of them are in line to to take over these roles. And the response I'm getting is 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 a little surprising. It's not very positive. There's a lot of concern about both of these um, uh, gentlemen. Uh, they don't feel like that they bring this the right amount of influence, the right amount of qualifications, the right amount of of, of solid experience that someone like Suzette Kent, someone like Tony Scott, someone like Grant Schneider, pe previous people who held these roles brought to the role. And it's not clear why the administration feels like they're trying to put these gentlemen in place now. And instead of waiting till after the election to see what those results are, and then you'd still would have potentially if you went if the Trump administration wins a second term, you would have plenty of time to kind of get up and going in, in, in preparation for January's obviously minor transition. So we'll have a big story on federalnewsnetwork.com for everyone to read and get the kind of more details. But it's interesting that the administration's making the the. the the naming of these two individuals now versus waiting, again, a month or two. All right. Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Thank you. My pleasure, Jared. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. 
Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at pluralsight.com vision. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.